And we're back with another episode of the Sports Cafe. I'm your host this week, Mike Weil, along with Mike Mandel in Philadelphia, Ian Gus, and Adam Rosen, both in New York. So guys, we've had a lot going on in the world of sports. It's been probably the best month of sports in, in my life. I'm not sure if you share that opinion, but we just have so much going on with the NFL, NBA playoffs continuing, the Stanley Cup Finals, the baseball pennant races, the U.S. Open and golf, on and on and on we can go. So, Mike, I'll check in with you. How's Philly treating you and what's going on? Well, as fun as it is to have all these sports going on, it's, it's a pretty rough time to be a Philly sports fan in particular. Um, you've got the Eagles and Phillies who have been disastrous the last couple of weeks, uh, Sixers and Flyers having been dropped out of the playoffs. So, you know, I'm trying to enjoy the sports as they are. Um, forget about the woes of, of our current teams. Yeah, and Ian, your Yankees, what a difference 10 days makes. You, uh, you've been enjoying this? Yeah, although I can agree with Mike from a football standpoint, um, and I'm sure Adam will have similar thoughts on the Jets and Giants, basically, in a sense, being eliminated after two games to start the year. But from an overall perspective, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing how much we have going on in the sports world. And uh, at least I have the Yankees, uh, and I know while your your teams are, I think, uh, in a better spot than the rest of ours right now. And Ian, I, I purposefully did not want to mention the Giants, but we'll get to them very soon. Adam, your Mets, they're hanging on by a thread. Doesn't look so great, but how are you feeling in general? Well, I thought you might lead with my one positive in the sports world, which was the Islanders up until this week. Um, their I didn't magical, want to do that. I didn't that's want to okay. Do that their, their magical playoff run came to an end, but certainly uh, I'm, I'm not one for moral victories at this point. But it certainly was a season to be proud of. Uh, we will we will dive into the Mets later, but um, once the Islanders are, were eliminated, it's back to reality for me and my crummy New York sports teams. Well. We'll start in the NFL. I'm sorry, Adam. It doesn't get better for you with the with the Jets, but at least you had a couple playoff runs. Hopefully the Islanders and the Clippers will be back next year, but I know it was a rough week for you. So first topic I want to start with tonight is the NFL, and the big storyline of week two was the injury bug that hit a lot of star players. And Ian, I had mentioned I wanted to stay away from the Giants, but I can't do it for very long of course, Saquon Barkley with a torn ACL. Nick Bosa, the 49ers ace defender, torn ACL. Cortland Sutton, the Broncos receiver, torn ACL. You had Christian McCaffrey with an ankle injury. He's out four to six weeks. Michael Thomas also with an ankle injury. Raheem Mostert, the list goes on. So, Ian, I want to start with you. How devastating was that to watch? And what were your thoughts when you saw Saquon go down first, I saw he had an elbow injury and then he went down with the knee. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, obviously really tough to watch, um, you know, going for that extra yardage on the sideline. He kind of winced in pain, took his helmet off right away. They didn't cart him off. They, they kind of carried him off. So I thought, okay, maybe there's, you know, some hope that this won't be completely devastating, but then obviously the torn ACL now out for the year. Um, you know, it's it's just not like there. I don't think their chances were great even with him. We saw in week one, he was outrushed by Ben Roethlisberger to start week two. He wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire, but I don't think much of that is his fault. It's the offensive line or lack thereof. Um, but with him going out now, I just, you know, it's going to be a really long, rough season. I, I think the Giants are lucky that the Jets share a city with them. Otherwise, I think, the, you know, the Giants ownership would be, uh, under fire by the, the fan base. But, uh, I mean, if we want to transition to the Jets, they're, they're probably worse. Adam, speaking of the Jets, Ian, with the segue there, what's your takeaway after the start of the season? And do you have any hope that there's something salvageable? The only, the only hope the Jets have is, is maybe getting the number one draft pick. But I think this is going to become a tired act very quickly on the podcast. I mean, I've kind of run out of words already to describe the ineptitude of the New York Jets franchise. It's just embarrassing from top to bottom. They, I think I said the same thing last week. They showed, they, they 
there was nothing positive about the performance. The offense was terrible. The defense was terrible. Special teams is no good. Uh, just a really tough, um, tough time to be a Jets fan. And you think, when is the best time to construct a roster? It's while you have what you think is a franchise quarterback within who's still on his rookie contract. In the Jets' case, it's Sam Darnold in year three. And they are rebuilding with him in year three of his contract. And that is a recipe for disaster as far as, um, A, evaluating the quarterback and whether he's a keeper long-term, and B, just, just setting your, your franchise up to be successful long-term. It, it sounds like they'll probably end up changing head coaches at the end of the year. They don't know whether the quarterback is a keeper. So just a real tough, tough time to be the Jets. Um, just they're terrible. <laughs> And Mike, I guess pivoting to you, I'm going to get to the injuries in a minute, but since we're all talking about our home teams uh, at, at the jump, what were your initial impressions from the Eagles game? Your Eagles, man, they're, they're, uh, they won the first one, but I thought they would win this week and it didn't work out as well as three of us had predicted. Yeah, I, you know, I wanted to vomit after the game because... It... It's just been painful to watch, um, and I think with Ian and Adams' teams, at least they kind of expected low of of their teams this season. But with us, you know, we, we expected them to have a solid season. We, we expected that a, a quarterback who who should be full of motivation to finally um, take part in the playoffs and, and perhaps even his own Super Bowl. Um, the Sean Jackson, who, who after going down the injury last season, trying to make a you know, a huge comeback statement. Um, and, you know, what you saw against the Rams in particular, and I think to an extent against the the Washington team in the, in the second half, was a team who simply didn't really want to show up. Um, I, I mean, what Wentz was disastrous. He made mistake after mistake. The defense basically gave up in this game. Um, it, and it seemed like you know, every time that there was potential momentum, they... they screwed something up to, to give it away, um, it, whether it's the, the end zone interception by, by Wentz, um, Miles Sanders fumbling in like a second carry. Um, and, and granted, you know, this is against two teams that were perfectly beatable. These are both very winnable games. You know, Washington, of course, being projected to be one of the worst in, in the league. The Rams being, you know, decent but not stellar team. And I, you know, I don't even know what the excuse is at this point. It, it can't be injury because – the offensive line actually played pretty well. They, they protected Wentz. He didn't even get sacked once. Um, and our injury situation was certainly no worse than, than that of the Rams, who'd also lost some guys during the game. So that, that, that I mean, I don't think it could be an excuse in football anyway because it's football, but certainly not this week. And, you know, I not, nothing that was said in the postgame comments gave me any optimism. So they're going to have to do a lot of work to prove a lot of us wrong because I think in Philly the the sense is that the season is already lost. And Ian, you're correct. I had blocked that second half out of my mind from the Eagles week one game. I was wrong there. They lost week one to Washington. So hard to believe, but I'm the only one that has a win this year under my belt in football. The Bears are 2-0 and and you guys are all 0-2, which is terrible, but the Bears could just as well be 0-2. So I I can empathize because we were DeAndre Swift. I wonder, yeah, I wonder, just thinking about the Eagles and the Bears, like are the Eagles playoff odds that much worse than the Bears at this point? Because I feel like they're... I wouldn't think so. I I think that the Eagles still have enough talent where in the NFC East they can make a run. And I think for the Giants and the Jets, it might be tougher, especially now with Saquon the Giants pretty much they're they're gonna have to salvage the year any way they can and obviously as Adam pointed out the Jets are a mess so I do not envy the teams at MetLife Field but for the Bears watching the game against the Giants they were up 17 to nothing and then did not score a point in the second half so Mitchell Trubisky has been making strides there has been some improvement this year with his decision making and he's running a little bit more. But it's very disheartening to see, especially after Barkley went down, the Bears couldn't pull that game away. And and I'm not sure if you watched the end, but Golden Tate was a catch away from 
the Giants winning that game. So the yeah. Bears could have easily yeah. gone 0 and 2 and against the Falcons this week, which we'll get to. I'm not so excited, but I wanted to get to the injuries. And do you guys think, Adam, I'll start with you, that this could be because there was no preseason? Or is it just bad luck that all of this is happening right now? So I would say that the hamstring injuries may be related to, not, and I'm not a doctor, obviously, but the hamstring injuries might have to do with players not getting enough reps. But the ACL stuff, and we did see a lot of those, I think that's just kind of nature of the game. I mean, ACL tears happen every year. Unfortunately, you know, star players are, are just as susceptible as, you know, guys coming off the bench. And uh, unfortunately, week two saw a lot of them. So I would say that the ACL stuff, yeah, I mean, this this past week, there was a little bit more than usual. But I feel like every year we have, you know, one or two weeks where a lot of guys go down. I think this year we just have to see some really high impactful players. Yeah. And Mike, I'll ask the same question to you. Do you think that the ACLs could be prevented with more off-season training or, you know, a normal schedule where you have a normal training camp, then a couple preseason games to get in shape? Or is, as Adam said, hamstrings is one thing, ACLs is just bad luck? Yeah, I, you know, I don't think the lack of preseason was really relevant here for, for a couple of reasons. A, a lot of these guys don't even get much playing time in the preseason to begin with. It's usually more of an exercise to see who makes the final cut among people who are on the borderline. And then there's also the fact that week one, you did not see this. And I would have thought that you'd expect to see, if it really was a preseason, this this level of injuries in week one. And instead it happened week two. So I you know, I think it's more randomness than anything else. Um, one mm-hmm. possibility is the, the slightly reduced um, you know, training time might have had an impact and you know it would be hard to measure that but yeah I, I think the ACLs is simply bad luck and you know football listen we, we know what kind of sport football is it's it's fun exciting but it's also very injury prone and I think that's what this is it just happened to hit a lot of star players this time and Ian there's an interesting point brought up in our pre-show agenda about MetLife Field and I know that Saquon got injured at Soldier Field but Le'Veon Bell last week got hurt at MetLife. There's been a few other injuries there. Do you think that there's field issues this year, more so than other years? I mean, I think it was the 49ers team, and it might have been one of the doctors was started uh, kind of complaining on Twitter about the build. So, I mean, uh, you would hope that's not the case. I mean, this is all MetLife Stadium does is basically host NFL games and, and happens to host teams um i guess what them and uh the new la stadium are the only stadiums that uh that host two teams but i guess Mm -hmm. the giants uh denied the report from what i can tell but the nfl pa is kind of backing up some of those questions or concerns i mean they hosted the super bowl a few years ago so i don't know what (laughs) the issue would be i mean that would be really embarrassing if there was something wrong with the field if it wasn't i mean it's it's artificial so it's not a turf situation so they're not placing the the fake grass correctly i don't know what might be going on but you know the 49ers are going to be back at the the same stadium this week to face the giants so uh i guess they better be careful or maybe maybe it was part of their uh game plan was to get them to replace the field between games who knows um but i think generally with all the injuries like like adam and and mike were saying if this continues week after week, I think then maybe we need to, to take a step back and see, you know, why is this happening more than this this year than other years? I don't think it's because of lack of preseason. Like Mike said, a lot of the stars barely play in the preseason to begin with. And their offseason workouts, yes, I know they didn't have um, kind of the April minicast that they usually do, but that shouldn't be much of an effect, especially compared to other sports that were, you know, shut down and restarted or started late, whatever the impact was. Football is relatively minor in terms of the differences. So, I'm going right now with kind of just a, a freak one-week situation, but it's definitely something to monitor for the rest of the year. And, Mike, just to clarify one point, the Jets played in Buffalo in week one, so Bell's injury wasn't related was to the MetLife Buffalo. Turf. Okay. But, but Ian makes a great point. I, I completely forgot that the Niners are playing the Giants in New York this year, uh, this, this coming week, so I think it makes total sense why they were so vocal in their complaints about the turf, knowing that they have to now go back and play on that same field when – 
two of their better players both tore ACLs within two plays of each other. And I guess it was five total players from the 49ers, which is it's quite a percentage yeah, of their roster. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's unbelievable. Stuff. And I'll play devil's advocate here. And it's interesting that Buffalo also is turf, so maybe something's going on with the turf around the league. I don't know. But I know Soldier Field is grass. But I think that to play devil's advocate, I wonder how much sitting and then ramping up for training camp so you you were sitting a long time for covid and there was questions about when and if there would be football up until really july so given that i wonder if the players didn't maintain their offseason routine the way they would and when you're taking a hit on a joint and the joint may not be as strong or the muscles around it may not be as strong again i'm not a doctor could it lead to to susceptibility for that joint because you don't have the same protection if you had worked out the same way in the offseason. So I wonder if it's just priming your muscles for an NFL season and if they didn't, if a lot of these players, especially the running backs, didn't have enough time to train their legs the way they normally would, could that be causing these injuries? I tend to agree with you guys that Knee injuries in particular, because a lot of times they're non-contact and it just is bad luck. It could just be bad timing. But it's it certainly is weird that in one week a lot of these players were hurt. And as both you and Ian and Adam said, that MetLife Stadium, especially with the 49ers, that was a hot spot. So I'll look to monitor and we can come back next week to discuss what ends up happening. But hopefully for the 49ers, no one else gets hurt. I'm sure there will be other topics on the show that can be much more spiritedly right. debated. <laughs> Let's hope. I mean, if we are if we have another round of this, not, not right. going to be great. But Probably, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, somewhat related, I, this is not on our, our kind of agenda, but it's, to me, very shocking that we haven't had any sort of a, a COVID issue yet with football, considering the contact, you know, play of, of the sport and the size of the rosters, the lack of a bubble. I know coaches are getting fined for not wearing masks. So I don't know. I think they're yeah, I mean, pretty lucky. Knock on so wood, fingers crossed. You hope it keeps up. I purposefully didn't put it on there because we had talked about COVID ad nauseum before the season started, but you're absolutely right that given the close contact of these players, there hasn't been an outbreak, which is great. So I want to move on, though, to the picks for this week because we can look forward rather than look back at a gruesome week two with all the injuries. Adam went 4-0 and last week. He That's was right. perfect. Congratulations. Congratulations. Hope you put some actual <laughs> money on that. Right. <laughs> and then Mandel and I were tied at 2-2. Two and two, And Ian... Uh, like the New York football teams does not have a win yet. So no win yet. hopefully a, this this week will change only that. Up, up from here. There's right. a million there's a million sports book apps out there. We may have to find ourselves a sponsor for the show. Right, Adam, if, <laughs> sure if we keep could get this one. up. So I wanna start being a homer uh, with the Bears and Falcons this week. Interesting game because the Bears right now are two and no, the Falcons are O and two. But the Falcons are actually favored by three and a half points here. And they had an epic collapse last week. I think they were the first team ever to blow the size of the lead that they had with the amount of time that they had. I know they were up 20. I think it was with no turnovers as well. Okay. So that was, wow. that was, what, but I know it was the first time ever that that happened. So it's just, it's, it's hard to believe that. The defense just collapsed the way they did. Granted, the Cowboys have Dak and Ezekiel Elliott, but How still about hard. The special teams. <laughs> that right. was just sheer yes, stupidity. That is true. <laughs> Greg Zerline single-handedly won the game for the Cowboys. So, the Bears-Falcons matchup. Mike, I'll start with you. Bears at Falcons. Falcons are giving three and a half. How do you see this going? Well, you know, given that the Falcons lost to the Cowboys via sheer stupidity. Um, and, and, and simply not knowing the rules of onside kicks, I'm guessing that their their coach is going to come down on them pretty hard um, after you know what, what should have been a win. Um, you know, I, I think that I, I would have to go with the Falcons here, not to discount the Bears' two and zero record. It's you know, no matter who you're playing, winning in the NFL is, is a tough proposition. Um, but 
overall, I just don't know that their inconsistency is going to hold up against the Falcons the way that it did against their prior opponents, the Lions and the uh, and the Giants. So you're going to go with the Falcons, it sounds like. I'm going with the Falcons. I know you don't like me for it. No, listen, <laughs> I, I might do the same. So, Adam, I'll go with you next. Bears versus Falcons this week. Who you got? Oh, man, you should save me for last. You guys don't steal my picks. Okay, fine. Oh, <laughs> no, so no, I'm kidding. He's cocky now after one week. Predicting you know an what? undefeated I'm season. Just gonna huh? save, I'm going to save Adam's picks for last just because he said that, and we'll At see. At least coming off a perfect week. I if think I deserve the, If you talk the talk, you have to walk the walk, <laughs> so we'll see what happens. So, Ian, I'll go to you because Adam wants to save his pick. Bears yeah. and Falcons. I look at it as, yes, the Falcons blew a lead, but they also have a much stronger team, especially offensively, I think, than the Bears. Um, Matt Ryan's played particularly well. I think he threw for four touchdowns last week. Um, you know, it's not for me to predict another collapse for the Falcons. If it happens, you know, that'll be pretty shocking. So I will agree with Mandel and also take the Falcons at home. Okay, and then because Adam's picking last, I'll go. Well, Mike, you why don't you pick last? Because last no, it's, your team. it's fine. I, I don't right. want to hear your it. pick, so <laughs> I'll, I'll go. So I, as much as I want to pick the Bears, and I know we have a couple listeners down in Atlanta, believe it or not. Uh, so the Bears are two and zero going into this game, yes, but they haven't had a test yet, like the Falcons. They've played the Lions, almost lost to them. They played the Giants, almost lost to them. And I think the Falcons are going to be pretty upset after, as Mike said, the special teams debacle with Greg Zerline's onside kick and allowing the Falcons to come back from 20 points down. So as much as it pains me to do this, the Bears haven't proved to me that they can put together a full four quarters of football. And against this Falcons offense, the offense of the Bears is going to need a full four quarters. Even though I think Bears defense is good, the Falcons are going to be too much to handle so i'm gonna also take the falcons minus 3.5 so adam do you have the same picks as us or are you gonna go different yeah there's not gonna be much suspense here i'm taking the falcons as well the falcons 0 and 2 um you know last week is a game they should have had i think there may be jobs on the line particularly with the head coach dan quinn if the falcons uh have another sub 500 season the bears as mike i think you would acknowledge are kind of a fortuitous 2-0 start to the season so i'm gonna take the falcons with the points okay so that's all of us have the same pick adam that bodes well for you because we can't gain a game on you (laughs) so there could be an advantage to going last year but we're gonna trust in good faith you're not gonna change the picks strategically so (laughs) next game giants and 49ers ian you want to give us your pick since yeah, the Giants are your I've team. I've gone back and forth on this one because I picked against the Giants last week and they ended up covering, but obviously not winning. Um, so I just don't see, I, I don't know. I, I think for me, I think the, the 49ers are a better team. I understand they're, uh, you know, they're, they're down a few players. They, uh, I think their defense maybe isn't what it was, but until the Giants actually put a complete game together, and the week after losing Saquon Barkley, their best player, I, I don't envision that happening this week. Hopefully, I'm going to be wrong. Um, but I will take the 49ers to win by more than four and a half points. Okay. And Mike Mandel, I should note that it's the 49ers against the Giants and the MetLife Field turf. So, <laughs> see so if, if the teams can make that, it through the game. I don't know if that changes anything for you, but who do you have in this game? I still have the 49ers. Um, you look at the way they manhandled the Jets, which I think, you know, as far as skill goes, are probably about on par with the Giants, um, especially given the loss of Saquon Barkley. And even with all the guys that the 49ers lost, they still dominated the, the Jets throughout the rest of the game and weren't even close to allowing a comeback. So I, I think they're going to beat the Giants by by more than five points. Okay. So you also have the 49ers. And yeah. then... You know what, Adam? I'm gonna go with you because okay. I already have my pick. Need some help here. Oh. <laughs> so, this, so this is where picking on Tuesday kind of hurts us here because we don't really have all the information that we would have the day before the game. So, I think to me, the the big piece here is whether Jimmy Garoppolo plays. We know about the other injuries to the Niners. It sounds like all the other guys who got hurt will not play this week. But to me, Garoppolo is probably the difference maker into whether the Niners cover the spread or not. So I'm going to say, look, and the Giants, you know, losing Barclay is tough. I I think you have to love the way that they've competed the first two weeks of the season, and especially 
the way they hung around with the Bears, um, you know, after losing Barkley early in the game. I am going to assume that Garoppolo is playing, so I'm going to take the Niners with the points. Um, that changes. I don't know if we're able to uh, update our picks, but... Um, I do see there's a story yesterday that says he only has an outside shot to play on Sunday. So I don't Garoppolo? Know that, yeah, I don't know Interesting. if that okay. gets you to reconsider. but uh, No, I'll take the Niners. <laughs> <laughs> Who is their backup? So Nick every- Mullins. Nick Mullins, okay. So Not everyone's exactly household name. Everyone's taking the Niners here. I'm going to be boring and also take the Niners. I wish I could go with the Giants, but realistically, given that they lost Saquon, I think Garoppolo plays this week. So just based on that, Adam, I agree with your analysis because I was thinking it could be based on Garoppolo because of Mullins plays and it changes things, but Niners for me too. So right now we we better make some different picks in the next two or else it's going to be pretty boring. I think so, we will. That's my prediction. Let's see. So Mike Mandel, I'll start with you here. You're 0-2 Eagles face Jer- Joe Burrow and the Bengals. The Eagles are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. It's in Philadelphia. What are your thoughts going into this game? So I'm, I'm going to go with the trend here and, and pick against my team. I don't necessarily think that they're going to lose the game, but I don't see them winning by, by more than six-and-a-half. Um, you know, if you look at the way that the Eagles have played, I, you know, if they're going to win a game, it's going to be this one, but I definitely don't see a blowout coming. Um, you know, if, if they play anything near as badly as the way they played the, the first two weeks. And and the Bengals, while having lost the first two, they, they put up a hell of a fight in both of them and, and lost both of those games by less than six and a half. Um, so e- even at the uh, the Eagles' home stadium, I still think that I'm going to go with the Bengals to at least beat the spread. And let's not forget that they, uh, they got their virtual fans to boo Carson Wentz. So I, I could see that happening <laughs> again if he plays the same way. That's really funny. So you're gonna you're gonna go against your Eagles and go with the Bengals. So Ian, who do you have here? Um, I thought I was gonna be different, but I was also gonna take the Bengals. Um, like you said, it's not the Bengals of of year of the last couple of years, at least with Burrow. You know, pretty exciting behind uh, center. They put up a fight against the Chargers, who uh, barely lost last week to the Chiefs, who are you know far and away the best team in the league. Um, you know, put up 30 against Cleveland. So they have the offense. So I think, you know, kind of go back and forth with Philly. I don't think the Eagles have a sack all year, which um, is interesting. So the line to me is a little too high. I think if the line was two or three points, I'd probably take the Eagles. But I like being able to get six and a half points with the Bengals. Not only so do you're we going... have no sacks, we have no turnovers forced either. So that's, that's something to note. Even even better. <laughs> you're going with the Bengals. Okay, so full disclosure, before you guys made those picks, I was going to also pick the Bengals. But because I'm hosting the show tonight and I want the listeners to at least have some diversity in these picks, I'm also going to I'm gonna take the Eagles here. I don't think no, they go... St- stick with your intuition, though, because no, you don't know what I, I'm picking. I, I, don't, I know, but I'm... Pick who you right think is going to win. I'm not gonna be, I'm not going to be influenced by your pick. Okay. So I'm going to go with the Eagles here because I don't see them going 0-3, and I have faith that they can beat a rookie quarterback by more than a touchdown. Mike, I think the defense is better than they've shown the first two weeks, and I'm going to go with the Eagles by seven, I guess, in this case, because the spread is six and a half. So Eagles for me. Hope you're right, man. Well, I'm taking the Eagles as well with the okay. six and a half. Um, you know, the Bengals were a lot of fun to watch on Thursday Night Football. Uh, that game turned into a bit of a shootout with the Browns. You look at the Eagles, 0-2, a uh, little bit of a sense of urgency coming into this game. I like Doug Peterson coaching up against a rookie quarterback. I think the Eagles will be the best team that Joe Burrow faces so far in his young NFL career, so I see him re- regressing a little bit from uh, his Week 2 performance. And six and a half points to me is enticing enough. I think the Eagles come ready to play. I'm taking them to beat the Bengals with the six and a half. And so we have a split here. Mandel and Ian go with the Bengals and myself and Adam go with the Eagles. So we will see. Now moving on to the next game. This one I think has the biggest spread of the week. (laughs) 
The Jets. That's at probably going to be something we say with the Jet games all year. Minus <laughs> ten and a half. The Colts are a ten and a half point favorite. So Adam, I don't think we're all going to be influenced by your pick here. So you can go first. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing we're doing this thing with the spread because it'll certainly make the Jets games a lot more fun to talk about as far as how many points they're going to lose by. Uh, look, you know they. Uh, the Niners covered the spread easily last week with a, a rash of injuries. The Colts are healthy. They they played really well last week. They had a nice bounce back win against the Vikings, uh, winning 28 to 11. Uh, I'm taking the Colts with the points. I think it's a pretty safe pick. I'm probably going to take them in my Survivor League. Uh, that will probably be the trendy pick is to to pick whoever the Jets are playing in Survivor Leagues. But um, I I like the Colts uh, with the 10 and a half. Okay, and then I guess I'll go second here. I agree with you, Adam. I don't think the ten and a half points is enough of a spread to. What would the line have to be for any of us? <laughs> I, I would say a two touchdown spread, like fourteen I, points. It's funny because I remember the Patriots a few years ago when they would just blow everybody out, and I think in their in their easiest matchups, the the points were like as much as minus twenty or something. I think at that point it was like, okay, you know what? This is the NFL. I think 20 points is probably, you know, you, you got to give them a little bit of respect. But I don't look. I, I think you kind of take it on a week by week basis. I mean, maybe the team looks a little bit better. Maybe being 0 and 2, uh, you know, they'll make some coaching adjustments and the team just tries not to embarrass themselves. But the way that they played the first two weeks, there's nothing to indicate that they can cover um, the spread in this game. Yeah, I, I'm with you. So, Ian and Mike, do you have a differing opinion? Mike, I'll start with you. I, I do. Um, I still think that the Jets are unlikely to win the game, but 10.5 points for me is too much to pick the Colts. I, I don't think the Colts are that good. Um, you know, they, they played reasonably well against the terrible Vikings team last week, but uh, they, they're lost to the Jags. Um, you know, I, I can't ignore that. Um, so, I I think that the the Colts are going to win by less than the spread overall, and hence I'll go with the Jets. Okay, and Ian? I'll go with the majority here. I think I was the only one to pick in favor of the Jets last week, and that was probably my worst pick. So I'm, I'd rather be surprised by the Jets than look foolish again. So I will go with the Colts to win by more than 10.5. Okay, so we are 3-1 we are here. Ian, Adam, and I have the Colts. Mike has the Jets. And then we have a fifth game this week. Last week we had four because the Giants and Bears were playing each other. And on this feature, we're going to pick a game of the week. Uh, everyone who's hosting will get that privilege. So this week it's my turn. And I chose the Chiefs and Ravens game. I think it's the Monday night game, actually. You have Patrick mm -hmm. Mahomes against Lamar Jackson in what should be a phenomenal matchup. So I'm going to go first here since I picked it. I think that the Chiefs got a scare last week. They're right now getting three points. And to me, nothing has changed my mind about the Chiefs going back to the Super Bowl. So I'm going to roll with the Chiefs with the three points. I know it's in Baltimore, but there's no crowd. So home field is really negligible this year. And granted, Baltimore is a tough place to play, especially when they're fans. But... That's negated. So I like Mahomes over Jackson this week. I think the Chiefs offensively and defensively are a complete team. So I like them with the points. And Ian, I'll go with you next. I think this game's going to be really close. Uh, obviously, you know, these are the two probably most exciting teams in football. I think the Ravens defense to me is maybe the, the differentiator. Um, they've given up six points and 16 points in their first two games. Obviously, facing Mahomes is going to be different than... Cleveland and Houston, but um, I think in a lot of ways they're potentially just as good as the Chiefs. Um, the three points is where I'm a little bit unsure. I, I could definitely see the Ravens winning, but uh, I, I'm going back and forth. I will end up taking the Ravens. It's it's close enough that uh, you know it's close enough to a pick 'em that if they win, my guess is it'll be at least by hopefully a field goal or more. Or more. Um, so I will go with Baltimore. Okay, so we already have disagreement. Mike Mandel, what's your pick? 
I'm going to go with the Ravens. I, I know at the beginning of the, the season I made a prediction that they would meet in the AFC Championship and that the uh, the Ravens would come out on top of the Clash of the Titans. Um, I don't think that three points is is enough um, to, to warrant picking the Chiefs in this case. I, I still think, you know, they might be the best two teams in the league, but I still think that the Ravens are better. Um, and I think more likely than not, they win by more than three. Um, not more than seven, but more than three. Uh, so I got to go with them. Okay. And then Adam, we'll, we'll bring up the rear with you. The 4-0 and picker. Who do you to have? make it 8-0, 9-0. <laughs> it, it, it's funny the way this has played out because – I think Ian and Mike, you guys both picked your, you guys both picked the Ravens to win the Super Bowl, and Mike Wild, did, did you pick the Chiefs to win the I Super did. Bowl? I did. Yes. As did I, and and that's how it's going to play out here in our Week Three picks. I'm going to take the Chiefs. Look, this game is pretty much a toss-up. Um, so, you know, in a toss-up game, I'll take the team that that is being given the points. So I'll take the Chiefs minus three. What I will say is that if the Ravens win this game, it wouldn't change the way I feel about the Chiefs and their chances in the postseason. It's early. Um, both teams are really, really good. Um, so I think it'll be a. Uh, I, I do think it'll be a high-scoring game. I think we'll see a lot of points on both ends. Um, so I'll take the Chiefs with the points. But again, if Baltimore wins, um, wouldn't affect the way I feel about the Chiefs, barring an injury to Patrick Mahomes that sidelines him for the playoffs. So I'm going with the Chiefs. So Adam, I hope you go nine and zero because we have the same picks this week. So there I can't gain on you, but <laughs> we'll see if we can separate from Ian and Mike. So hopefully it'll be a fun week, not as many injuries, and also an interesting week for all the fantasy football players because there's going to be a mad scramble to the waiver wire. I have a feeling to get all the second string running backs that are impacted. So. Now moving to another sport played on grass, or at least mostly grass, baseball. And we are down to the last week of the season. The AL right now looks pretty set. You have the top eight teams that have been the top eight teams for the majority of the season. And the NL right now is a very tight race at the bottom. And you have the Brewers, Reds, Cardinals, and Phillies all fighting for that second wild card spot with I guess the Mets aren't technically eliminated so sure. they're still in there but Mike since you have a dog in this fight what do you think is going to happen in the last week are the Phillies going to hang on get into the playoffs and who do you think will join them in the second wild card spot so it's not looking good for them right now um, they, they've been inconsistent a lot of the season and right now um they're on the downward spiral of that inconsistency. Uh, Bryce Harper, who had started out strong, has imploded. Um, I have not really seen, you know, much to give me any comfort that the, the Phillies would succeed, um, even if they were to make the playoffs. Um, you know, it's possible that, that they'll sneak in. Um, they're on a four-game losing streak right now, so I, you know, I, I don't think I would bet on them to – to, to hit the wild card. I think, you know, the Marlins have been somewhat surprising. I think they're going to get one of the wild card spots. Um, well, I guess not. They would, they would be the second in the division at this point. So they'll, they, they, they would be in line for that, but it's looking like right now, um, you know, the Reds and the Brewers are, are more likely than the Phillies to get the, the two wild card spots. I know they're both in the central, um, but that, that's what it's looking to me right now. Um, I, I would love for the Phillies to prove me wrong and, turn things around in the final, what is it, four games of the season. They also have to go to Tampa to end the season. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, like they, they've been inconsistent all season long, so who knows what kind of game they're going to bring to Tampa. You know, they could end up bringing their A game like they did against the Yankees and the, and the Jays, but I, I just cannot confidently say that they're going to come out ahead in the, in the final four games. Well, the Reds and Brewers, interesting note, they're playing each other right now in a series, and they have another game against each other tomorrow. I think it's game three of the series, so they're, I'm looking at the schedule now. Yeah, so the Brewers and Cardinals play each other to wrap up the season. So if the Phillies win their next few games, or at least the majority, because the central teams are going to beat up on each other, the Phillies might have a shot. So... Right now, just to give everyone a sense, the American League is pretty much wrapped up. You have the Rays, White Sox, and A's, your division leaders, the Twins, Yankees, Astros, Indians, and Blue Jays, the wild card leaders, 
and the Mariners are six games under 500, basically for all intents and purposes eliminated. So the AL is pretty much set. The only thing that matters now is seeding. For the National League, the Dodgers, Cubs, and Braves are the division leaders. And then the Padres are 14 games over 500. They've clinched. And then you have a jumble with the Marlins two over, the Cardinals one over, the Reds 500, the Brewers 500, the Phillies a game under, and the Giants a game under. So you basically have four teams fighting for two spots. So I think Adam, the Phillies are two games under now, right? Oh, After they are. These aren't tonight. Having so, just lost to the uh, the Nationals again, yeah. So I'm looking right now at the MLB.com standing. So if they're not updated, then the Phillies would slip behind the Giants. Mm-hmm. But Adam, do you? see this playing out where there's four central teams in the playoffs or are the Phillies or Giants going to sneak in? Yeah, I, I looking at the standings now in the National League, I see things staying as they are, which would mean the Reds and the Brewers would be the last two teams in with the Phillies and Giants on the outside looking in. I mean, with six games left, I, we could see one of those change, but I like the way that the Reds are playing right now. Their starting pitching has been really, really good. I know that they were the sleeper team for a lot of people at the start of the season. And then Milwaukee, um, you know, they, they too have gotten some good pitching. Um, I know Christian Yelich hasn't had his typical season, um, but the Brewers kind of seem to, uh, you know, in, in seasons when they're there at the end, for you know, when they're contending for a playoff spot, they always seem to come through in the clutch. So, I see them holding off the Phillies. I think the Phillies are a really good team. You know, their bullpen has been an atrocity this year, but, um, you know, they've struggled a bit down the stretch other than when they're playing the Mets. So um, I see them probably falling a game or two short. And Ian, I know that the Yankees have just gone crazy right now. They're eight over 500. And from going from full panic mode a couple weeks ago to now where they're, they've clinched a playoff berth, the Rays right now are 36 and 19. They're 23 over, so the Yankees will not catch them most likely. Um, so, do you see the Yankees able to pass one of the central teams, the Twins and White Sox, for the four seed? And does it even matter? Because if if you're the five seed, you're going to play the four seed anyway. Well, the four seed gets the host, right? The best that's of three true. series. Yes. So I think that's, that's you know that's a a pretty big advantage for the Yankees given their you know the way their lineups constructed especially if they were to, what, go and play the Twins in the much bigger ballpark. Not to say they can't beat the Twins, but I think it, it is something that they are playing for. I think losing the last two nights to the Blue Jays, you know, that may be what ends up doing them in. They they're, they won big tonight, so I think they're definitely in the hunt. But, um, you know, it, it's interesting, too, because they end the season with the Marlins, and you'd think those are going to be kind of throwaway games. But the Marlins are are, you know, not yet uh, clinched and they're going to be fighting for seeding as well. Um, so I, I think it's definitely a possibility and maybe a likelihood that they will be able um, to clinch home field in the first round. But, um, you know, I don't know that it matters that much either. I could see the Yankees kind of, you know, taking their foot off the gas a bit. I, I know even with judge and Stanton returning, they've really been, uh, in a sense, babying them the way they're putting them in the lineup. It's like play one day, DH the next day, sit out the next day. So my hope is that kind of start stop is not going to affect their rhythm and, and their ability to perform in the playoffs. But I would have liked to see the full roster play a full like week or two without uh, needing so many days off. But I guess that's, you know, the MLB we live in in 2020. Um, so it, it, the other interesting point, just as we're talking about the NL is some of these teams have double headers, especially I think the, the Cardinals, the right. Cardinals, they have to make up yeah. a few games. So that, that could obviously go either way, right? Like that, that's an advantage to have those extra games, but also what is that going to do to their bullpens and, and their team, you know, if they do end up squeaking in. So, and, and I'm with you on the fact that it's, I think that the COVID season it's both taken the drama a little bit out of the playoff races in the AL, even though they're seeding races, but it's really created this sprint to the finish in the National League where you have these five teams bidding for both seeding and two spots. And to me, I picked the Reds to win the Central before the season started, and they're now finally playing like they were supposed to going into the year. Trevor Bauer may win the Cy Young in the National League. He's been outstanding, and it's his free agent year. 
and then you have Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo and the, the Reds rotation Tyler Malley's been really good so you've you've had pitchers that have complemented the sluggers they got in the offseason so the the Reds have the lowest batting average or one of the lowest batting averages in the league but I think they're 7th in home runs so I I see the Reds definitely taking one of those last two wild card spots and Mike I still have faith in the Phillies I'm going to give them my number 2 spot I have faith in the Philly teams this week. I picked the Eagles. I'm going to go with the Phillies. We'll see. Hopefully for you, I'm right. But I think the fact that the central teams beat up on each other helps the Phillies cause here. So I don't think the Brewers end up making it. In terms of the American League, I know, Mike, we talked about the Phillies and we talked about the Yankees. Adam, we touched on the Mets. And Adam, I want to ask you this. How excited are you now that the ownership change has been finalized and you've been able to process it? Does it give you hope for a like? <laughs> well, how do you know he's been able to process it? Maybe well, he's, still processing. he's had a few days. Look, I, I, until Steve Cohen is having the press conference as the new Mets <laughs> owner, still, it will, I can't process it. So, so many things can go wrong. Owners could fail to approve it. Um, so. I think I spoke last week that I was thrilled that the the news was happening that that he's been um, he's he's reached an agreement, but I do want to hold off until that's a, that's okay. official. Although I do actually I would like to make a quick amendment to my picks because I'm looking at the standings here, and I totally forgot that it the, the Phillies are I guess uh, half a game out of the the wild card, but they're they're only two games back of the Marlins for second place in the East, which of course would make them the number five seed. So I'm actually going to amend my pick and say that the Phillies catch the Marlins, who uh, the Marlins have a a three-game set with the Yankees to close the season, and the Yankees will have a lot to play for. Um, The Phillies do play Tampa Bay, but um, I'm going to venture to guess that the Phillies figure out a way to um, win a handful of their last few games and and catch the Marlins for that last... um, or not the last spot, it would be the the, the five seed um, as the second place winner. Interesting. So you're gonna you're gonna have the Phillies make so Mike, not only does Adam have the Phillies making the playoffs, he's he has them leaping to the five seed. So this bodes well. Five or six, I guess whatever. I don't know. If, I don't know how it changes. Adam's thing with this crazy it's hard to keep tabs of, but yeah, I see them I see them catching the Marlins wherever that puts them. If Adam's right. prowess in football translates to baseball, you're in good shape, Mike, because He's he's four and zero right now in football. So now, we'll guys, I I just want to say one thing here because mm-hmm. I know I'm the only person who doesn't have a horse in the race right now. I know the Mets are still mathematically in it, but to me, and I'm used to my team not being in the playoffs every year. Every year, and I I love watching the playoffs. I love watching the World Series, even if my team is not in it. I'm having a really hard time getting excited about the playoffs, and I think it has to do with this expanded format. I mean, to me. I'm looking at the, the the teams that are supposed to get into the playoffs, and it's just such a combination of mediocrity. I mean, there's just so many average teams that are making the playoffs. I mean, to me, I still cannot get my head around the fact that the Marlins could not only make the playoffs but be the number five seed. They're awful baseball team. I'm sorry. They're, they're, they've played 500 ball for 55 games like to me I'm I have no interest in watching them make the playoffs and maybe I'm picking the Phillies because I, I can't imagine a playoff scenario where the Marlins are part of it but to me I know look the White Sox have been great the Yankees have been really good so you have every reason to be excited about watching the playoffs but to me there's just so many mediocre teams in the in the, in the postseason getting in that uh, it's it's hard for me to get excited at least about the the early rounds. Yeah, Adam, right now I'm sitting here. Or Mike, go ahead. What were you going to say? I, I was going to say the silver lining for you, Adam, is that whoever does make the five seed are going to get crushed by the Padres, so they won't last long, right? <laughs> Anything can happen. Well, it, 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 yeah, but, three, but that's the thing. That's that's where, and this is what we all that's feared, yeah. was, and we didn't know at the start of the season that there was going to be, A, eight playoff teams, and B, that it was going to be three-game set. 
in the opening round. But that's where this could get really ugly. A team like the Marlins, you know, they do have two good but starting that pitchers. Be fun for chaos. That's like, what I was some thinking. Some ways, and I'm sitting <laughs> here exactly. in the that's last week of the season. We were predicting earlier in the season one of the teams that no one expected to make it was going to make it, and it just so happens it's the Florida Marlins who people were predicting to finish last in the whole league. So Sixto Sanchez has been amazing. I, no team has had an answer for him so far. They have such a good young staff that, Adam, I disagree with you. I think they're going to hold on because their pitching is good enough where a lot of these veteran guys they have, like Jesus Aguilar, and they they ha- I'm blanking right now, but I know they have a good number. Garrett Cooper has been good for them. Um, they're hitting enough where the pitching can keep teams down where the Marlins are scoring enough runs. So they are a 500 team. They have, they have played, been, been hot they, lately. I'm, I'm giving love to the Marlins. The right Marlins now. have played well above their ability and they're 500 at, after 60 game, whatever, 55 games. I mean, they're not a good team. They would lose 90 games in a full season. And I, I, I think what, would, but how and, much, you say you say that you're rooting. Season. You say that you want to root for chaos in the playoffs. And first of all, Mike, if if uh, <laughs> you know if the Blue Jays beat the White Sox early on, I don't think you'll be so happy about that chaos. But I'm sitting here petrified right now because <laughs> I've been I've been holding it in for the last half hour. The White Sox lost today on a walk off home run in the tenth inning. They were up three to one. And then Jose Ramirez hit a walk off. We're half game up on the Twins now. I'm petrified that we're going to play the Yankees in the first round and it's going to be a very quick series because our teams right now, Ian, are going in complete opposite directions. So if we played the Yankees, Adam, I'm hoping for chaos. If we win the division, still, I think best case scenario for me, you know how I feel about the Astros. I would absolutely love to get the three seed, knock out the Houston Astros and say goodbye to the Cheaters. I just think baseball is the one sport where you really do need a five to seven game series to to determine an outcome. Look, even even a five game series, which is what the division series normally is, doesn't always produce the best team. But I think in this three game format, you're going to see some of these top dogs go down. And I just hope for baseball's sake that you can get you know two of the better teams in the World Series because to see one of these. 500 or sub 500 teams get in or the Marlins I, th- I think it's to me it's the Marlins are the one team that just really bothers me that they're going to make the playoffs because I mean they've just been a perennial loser they haven't invested any money in the payroll they are the one team that has really really lucked out um, into this new form and I think you could make a case that any of these other teams in the National League over the course of 162 games could have made the playoffs. I know that the NL Central was pretty much up for grabs at the start of the season, but the Marlins have absolutely no business being in the playoffs. So, Mike and Ian, we know Adam doesn't like the Marlins and the expanded postseason format for letting such a team as the Marlins, who have no business being there, according to Adam, in. But the Rob Manfred, who's made a lot of controversial statements, has said he would like to keep the expanded postseason format. And he went so far as to say that it's likely that they are going to keep some sort of expanded format. So, Mike, I'll start with you. How many teams, given it's an 162-game season, how many teams would you have in the playoffs where you're rewarding the teams that win enough and not making it so that you have some mediocre team getting in? Is it six teams? Is it eight teams? Do you leave it at five? Uh, well, if it was up to me, I'd reduce it back to four. <laughs> I'm one of the guys that had opposed the uh, the addition of the second wild card back in 2013 because I thought it was a stupid idea, especially given that you know you, you're basing a whole season on a single game and you're you know you're taking out the aces for for the future series. But to me, that that was always one of the you know the more interesting parts about baseball is that the 162 game season makes it a marathon and not a sprint. And I think with that many games in a season you could pretty easily determine who the best of the best are. And to me, it should only be those teams that end up making the playoffs. Um, I know that the, the the trend overall has been as time goes by, more and more playoff teams are added. I think, you know, A, because, because of the money, and B, because we're sort of softening the standards a bit and we want more teams to have a shot. But that, that, that's one of the things I like most about baseball is that they were for a while able to preserve, you know, having only a few teams make the playoffs and having the coveted spot for, for the single wild card. Um, 
I understand why, you know, with this shortened season, they felt they need to expand the playoffs. Um, but g- given that we're going back to, to the regular season, which is twice as long as the NBA and NHL, ten times as long as the NFL, um, you know, they're obviously not going to go back down to four teams. That, that's a pipe dream. But I say you should keep it at five. And if you do decide to go to eight, um, to Adam's point – a three-game series is a total. The best of three series is a total non-starter. You know they they've got to go. I think in that point to to, to seven, seven, and seven like the NBA and NHL. Um, especially when you're going to have you know the one and the eight and the two and the seven to teams that arguably shouldn't have even made the playoffs. They, they should be forced to at least have to prove a hell of a lot to to win those series. And Ian, I'll go to you next. Do you agree with Mike that it should stay at five? I know you're a Yankee fan, so it in theory helps the Yankees to have fewer teams. But have you liked seeing the expanded postseason, or is this a one-year thing for you? I'm hoping it's a one-year thing, and I think what will help with that is if chaos happens this year and we get teams like the Marlins advancing. I think that then there'll be a call for you know abandoning this new crazy format of best of three and way too many teams getting in. I mean, I I agree that the wild card round shouldn't be a one game play in. I think it's fun, but it's not it's not conducive to what baseball is, like Mike was saying, with a 162 game marathon. So I would make the first round a best of three, make those the two wild card teams, and I'd potentially make the division series round a best of seven. I mean, we have that in every other sport. There's no best of five series, and with baseball being the longest sport, that Though even the five game series, you can kind of get some surprises there, and maybe that makes it more exciting. But like you said, being a Yankee fan, the Yankees are usually near the top of the league, so I am somewhat biased and and don't want them getting bounced early. So um, I think baseball's different. You have to the series should be longer. They shouldn't change the rules completely. I mean, we talked last week about the lack of off days, um, so that's kind of a new a new thing. And I guess in sense, in a sense, that's more like the regular season, but that does change things from the way they were in previous years with the playoffs. So this year, hopefully it'll be treated as a one-off. I think we can be happy to at least see they didn't agree to these changes moving forward. There's going to be new discussions to be had. Um, hopefully, you know, everyone's, uh, senses, best senses will, will prevail. And if the mm-hmm. issue is playoff money, which I think that's what it is, right? They're trying to increase the amount of playoff games. You can do that without expanding the amount of teams. You can just make the series longer. So hopefully they'll go that route in next year and beyond. So I personally think, given that Manfred said he would expand the playoffs, I'm with you guys in terms of the, it's an 162-game season, so have the best teams rewarded. I agree. But in this case, given that Manfred has already said they're looking, I think at the players the playoffs, have to sign off on it. Though. Oh, they do. I don't think it's okay. totally his call. But but the players probably want to make the playoffs. So if they have the option to expand, I see them expanding, and I see them expanding to six. I think you go one, six teams like the like the NFL, where you. Well, didn't they one, say they would expand to eight? Isn't isn't that what they were saying? Or just general expansion? They I thought it was general expansion. Did they say? Uh, I thought they were saying. I thought I thought that it was they were going to expand to eight. So then I'll the rephrase. One, maybe not. I'll rephrase my thought then that if it's going to be eight, I don't want it because that's too many teams. If you're going six, have the wild card teams play each other to get in. Maybe I I don't know. You you figure out something, but. Ian, what were you going to say? I was going to share the counter arguments. You kind of said the players would likely go for it. From what I've read, it it still dilutes the regular season and in a sense makes the best players a little bit less valuable. So it could potentially bring down the values of contracts. That's one argument I've seen. I don't know if that's actually true or not, but I think there's a little more complexity to it than what it seems like on the surface. Okay. So, I mean, I'm personally hoping that if they expand, it's 2-6. I think the fairest thing to do would ha- be to have the division winners get the first draw. I, if you go to six, you would have the wild card teams play. I would think, unless you're gonna go, because it's not fair. Well, six doesn't the, work because you then you'd have three wild card teams. Well, then you'd have no, because I'm have saying a the three divi- Yeah, like you'd have a buy, and then the two uh-huh. wild card teams play like the like college basketball or something, where at least you'd have, or no, that wouldn't work because you had five. So. I guess then eight teams, it would be the the way that they would think about going unless you were to figure out a way to have two buys at the top and then have the four teams play each other. But 
the team that wins the division, that's a third team, isn't going to be happy about that. So it'll be interesting to see. I think you should reward the best teams over the course of the long season. So I'm not yeah. in favor of expansion. But if they do expand, I don't think you can punish those teams that finished at the top. So I think that a buy for the two best records or something like that would be the way to go. And you might have to think about changing the divisions or something at that point. But that's yeah. a that's a discussion we can have on a future show but adam go go ahead what were you gonna yeah i so if rob manfred actually goes through with this and makes this eight team playoff format uh, i'll here to stay i would be really really concerned about the future of the sport that would be such a turnoff to me it would it would so clearly be driven by money and not to do with the fans or, or, or you know, it would, it, would, it would really be a decision that's driven by the owners who don't want to spend money, but they want their teams to make the playoffs. And a rule like this would benefit a fan like me, who's a Mets fan, whose team very rarely makes a playoffs. A rule like this would benefit me, and I don't want it. I don't want a team that finishes under 500 to have any shot of making the playoffs. You don't deserve to get in. Like, the, the goal of the playoffs should be to produce a, a champion who's worthy. You want the best team to win the championship. In the NBA, LeBron James always finds a way to the finals. In the NFL, Tom Brady always finds a way to the Super Bowl. That's the way that you want it to be. And to have underdogs or sleeper teams get to the World Series, the, the, the longest sport by regular season games by far, would, would, would make a mockery of the sport. You know, We look at March Madness and people root for upsets which are great in the early rounds but if Loyola Chicago and George Mason are playing in the finals is anybody watching I'm not watching you need the best teams in the league playing for the championships and to me this is so clearly driven by money that it's such a turnoff as a fan and what I will say is that if they do implement this change long term and it's eight teams in the playoffs and they're doing this because they need the money they need the revenue I don't want to ever hear about advertisements on the jerseys. This is going to be your extra revenue is, is by putting in uh, eight teams and and sacrificing the competitive integrity of the sport. But if you do that and then start putting ads on the jerseys and the helmets and the pitcher's mound, it, it would be such a turnoff to They've me. They've already done some of that, the pitcher's yeah. mound. Well, thankfully, logo. thankfully, yes, thankfully, but we haven't seen like corporate sponsors uh, patches on the, on the jersey sleeves. But to me, that would be... Very, very disappointing as a baseball fan. So with that, we're going to have a lot more discussion about expanded playoffs and the impact of the shortened season on the playoffs and future podcasts. And we're already at our hour. So I'm going to go to final thoughts now. And Adam, given that you were last in picks in terms of going last, I will start with you this week for your final thoughts. Okay, my final thought, I touched on it earlier, but the Islanders' season came to an end this past week. They lost to Tampa Bay in Game 6. Uh, the game went to overtime. Uh, the Game 5 went into double overtime. Really, outside of Game 1, where they lost 8-2, they were coming off of um, you know really grueling seven-game series against the Flyers. They were very, very competitive with Tampa Bay. So, again, I am not one for moral victories i've i've seen way too many in my life than i care to um this was probably the well definitely the most fun uh islander team i've seen in my lifetime but arguably one of the best uh, of my teams that i've seen in any sport and that includes some of the mets world series run this was just a really fun team very gritty um you know you you have to seize these moments when they're there because you you really never know what what next season will bring. And, and the Stanley Cup is probably the hardest trophy to win. But, um, you know, proud to be an Islander fan. Disappointed they came up short. But, um, you know, hopefully this will serve as the chip on their shoulder that they need to get to the next step next year. I like the attitude, Adam. Keep your head up. The Islanders look good. Hopefully they make it further next year. Mike Mandel, next to you. So I've got a couple. First of which, Mike, is that if, if you're right on both the Eagles and the Phillies, I owe you some beer from Philly. Maybe, maybe uh, one of the brews of yards, which you All might right. not have tried yet. <laughs> Next time I see you. Um, I will take you up on that offer, definitely. Absolutely, because then I hope you're right. And, and then I also wanted to talk about um, 
you know, the injuries that we've seen in football, um, it's obviously not a new thing, um, seeing the injuries. I think it's probably getting more and more visibility than maybe it has, a, you know, two decades ago as to how long-term these are. And we, we talked about how, you know, several stadiums are still turf. And, and I think there has to be a movement starting from the NFL to, you know, gradually wean teams away from having to play on turf. I think, you know, obviously we can't do it next year, but I'd like to see some sort of long-term plan in which maybe by, I don't know, the end of the decade, everybody's playing on grass. Um, I think given how common, you know, not only career injuring, but life-altering injuries are in this sport, um, I think that, you know, it is past the time for us to, you know, move to an all-grass have have all the stadiums be, be grass fields and, and simply play on that and get you know get rid of the turf. Okay, so it could it could be a move that the teams make, and we'll we'll see if these injuries keep up. It might happen. And now, Ian, live from New York, what's your final thought? I'll also focus on on the positives and something we've already discussed a bit, which is the Yankees. Uh, they have gotten hot at the right time. I know there's still, what, four games left in the regular season, but um, their pitching's lining up well. Garrett Cole had a great game tonight. I think he has a 2.84 ERA right now for the shortened season, so he's really picked it up the last few starts. Their offensive sluggers are are back, and you know even guys like J.A. Happ are, are somehow now performing rather well. So, again, all that can change going into the playoffs, and given that it's going to be a quick three-game series, who knows, but I definitely like the way they've been playing, and I agree with Adam's point that there's less excitement this year going into the playoffs. I personally didn't exactly celebrate when I found out that the Yankees made it, but um, you know, I'm still going to be very excited to watch starting next week, and um, I guess while you know we're probably going to skip next week, but if, if the, the White Sox play the Yankees, we might have to do some sort of a special uh, abbreviated Emer- version emergency, too. emergency podcast podcast yeah yeah i'd, so, I'd uh, be up for it so we'll, uh, we'll see it could yeah. happen and maybe when, in the second round the you never know exactly i hope the or twins the, lose to the tigers tonight but if they <laughs> don't white Sox are a half game from falling to the four yeah. seed and i so. think the obviously the lack of fans has been a huge bummer but i think seeing the teams play in in kind of these random stadiums and opposite leagues will I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to it in a way. It's going to be something really different, um, and hopefully it'll uh, you know work out for the best for both of our teams. Yeah, it'll be really weird. And my final thought, again, I have two. I'm sorry. The White Sox made the playoffs for the first time since 2008, since we were last on the podcast, and the opening song tonight was Don't Stop Believing." I was very optimistic because as it was playing, the White Sox took a 3-1 lead in the 10th. Unfortunately, as I said, they lost on a Jose Ramirez walk-off, but hopefully by next week I will forget all about that. The second final thought I have, it's another one of Jerry Reinsdorf's teams. The Bulls got Billy Donovan to be their head coach today, and I am ecstatic. He's the first coach since Scott Skiles that the Bulls have hired that has had prior NBA experience. And the reason why I'm ecstatic is they spent money to get one of the better quality, if not the most qualified, candidates on the market. So... Very excited. Hopefully he'll bring along Bradley Beal, Joe Kim Noah, Al Horford, the rest of the Florida Gators in the NBA. So the Bulls are looking up. So despite the White Sox loss tonight, White Sox are going to the playoffs. Bulls are in a positive direction with new man- new leadership. So I'm, I'm still a happy Chicago sports fan, and the Bears are 2-0. and So with that, for Mike Mandel, Adam Rosen, Ian Gus. I'm Mike Wow, and we will see you next or in two weeks, possibly an emergency podcast next week to play on baseball, NBA finals, and whatever else is going on in the NFL and the sports world. So thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks.